Greetings, Maltopians. Are you looking to delve deeper into the world of Maltopia? Then check out our Patreon, where you can find written mythos pieces, world maps, found footage, art, Patreon-exclusive shows, and more. Just go to patreon.com forward slash Maltopia and join one of our tiers for access to great new content. Brave the forbidden and embrace the darkness. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Maltopia Podcast. For our oldest and most loyal listeners out there, we wanted to let you know about our new Patreon page. Outside of our careers and time spent with family, 
The three of us here at Maltopia have been working every night and weekend for the past five years, building our company into what it is today. With your help, our goal is to make Maltopia our livelihood, allowing us to bring you higher quality content, exciting new podcast series and published works, and a large central community for you to take part in. As a thank you for your support, we're offering exclusive perks and bonus content, like early access to podcast episodes, behind-the-scene creator videos, and more. Go to patreon.com forward slash Maltopia today and explore our membership levels. And be sure to scroll through for free public content, some of which gives you a sneak peek at what you can expect when you become a member. From Mark, Steve, and Walker, thanks again for enjoying our podcast, and we hope to meet you soon on Patreon. Screams assaulted Wesley's ears, sounds of souls careening into the great nowhere all men fear and flee. He was running as fast as he could, but the mud was hindering his speed, greedily pulling his feet into its brown, sodden body. He wondered if it conspired with the thing that was attacking, along with the storms and mists that almost certainly owed their bounty to dark allegiances. There was a part of him that wanted to let go to let the dark storyteller that now slaughtered his colleagues pull him apart and do what it would. It was only the small ember of spite still burning within him that kept his legs moving, the air circulating through his heaving lungs. He hated the darkness and all its myriad offspring, and he wouldn't, couldn't, give it the pleasure of taking him too. Wesley continued to sprint through the camp. What direction he was headed he didn't know. The gunfire, along with navigating around speeding crowds of soldiers and researchers, had caused him to become disoriented. The world was nothing but noise and rushing bodies, a chaos for which he was but a mere speck, twisting and turning to its turbulent whims. He was actively trying to keep out the elder voice overcoming it all, its tail spinning like tornadoes sucking up everyone to some hellish Oz. Like before, he could feel himself wanting to come apart, like his atoms were trying to rebel against their orbits and free themselves from gravitational enslavement. As if slithering from the now widening fissures in his mind, the voice suddenly spoke. Ah, little Wesley, always running, running, running. Here's your chance to stand against the darkness, and what do you do? You flee. 
What would they think of that, I wonder? Do you think they'd be disappointed? Ashamed? I understand, though. I know what terrible things await you in that voice. What unlife you'll suffer if that thing's words make their way into your teeny, tiny soul. You'd be right there with me, Wesley grunted. Perhaps. Or perhaps I'd be a bit more than it could chew, a jagged pill stuck in its throat, choking it. Regardless, I'd rather not find out. But for us to get out of this, you'll have to listen to me. Bullshit! Wesley retorted loudly. You're just a voice in my head, that's it. There's nothing to be gained from talking to you, just leave me alone. Keep trying to convince yourself of that, you whippering little shit. You know deep down there's more to me than that. A little piece of that darkness you so despise dwells inside you, comfortably squatting in the empty house that used to be you. You just have to admit it. Do you want to live to fight another day, my dear Wesley? All you have to do is ask. As Wesley continued to frantically run, he saw a man to his right suddenly freeze up and shake. It was as if he were seizing his body a stiff board of flesh that was convulsing. Suddenly, the body began to lift from the ground. Wesley could almost hear the scream that begged the man's throat to release it, but it was locked behind a straining gate of teeth, imprisoned. It was only after a moment or so that he saw the soldier begin to unravel, strips of flesh unwinding from its bone scaffolding, dropping onto the ground in spiraling piles of steaming meat. The man's skeleton similarly broke apart, becoming so much ash and fleck upon the breath of the storm. But what truly horrified Wesley was not the gruesome detangling of the man, but what sprang forth from his remains. Like a dark spring, a fount of dusky symbols rose from the gore. It looked like writing of some sort, glowing characters spewing upwards from the discarded viscera and making its way east towards the tail-spinning horror. Wesley froze and went cold, all the blood leaving his skin to feed the now toiling fear centers of his brain. He looked downward, incapable of processing the rest of the world. Breaths felt like they were being stolen rather than taken and he began to feel his consciousness wane. His heart was trying to escape his ribcage, beating out of his chest, trying to burst free. He was on the verge of passing out. In a feat of desperation, he called out to the voice. All right, goddammit, all right, tell me what to do. His head suddenly filled with the sounds of laughter. (laughs) Now was that so hard? Vorn and Riva were in the upright side of a large, partially collapsed medical tent, hunched down beside some overturned cabinets. It was soon after they saw the mysterious figure in the fog that they heard the voice. A gravelly thing that's thundering volume defied the rather hushed tones it was spoken. Riva was quick to point out the words weren't a curse or spell, as Vorn had initially suspected, but a story, a baleful tale poisoning the very air used to recount it. The words seemed to carry a weight, and they could feel their bodies, their very essence, becoming unsure. Where once they felt whole, they started to feel unfamiliar, as if their bodies were nothing but a composite of disparate parts, begging to come undone. But there was something else, too, something that not only wanted to come apart, but also rejoin. They could feel an otherness in their urge, 
a desire to play a different part, to recombine their Frankensteinian assemblage into a different thing, a different narrative. When they saw a huddled group of frightened researchers, some of which they were familiar with, fall under the parable's influence, it was only then that the two men truly understood the sinister fable's effects. Their bodies unfurled, as if their tissue were merely threads to be plucked and unwound. In seconds, their skin and viscera plopped to the ground with an unceremonious wet thud, and what remained became dust that, in the moment, resembled buzzing flies circling a carcass. But what happened next truly baffled them. From the remains sprouted glyphs and glowing characters, as if the very air had been scrawled upon by some unseen writer. Even with Voren's extensive knowledge of foreign languages, both common and esoteric, he didn't recognize them. Both men watched the ghostly writing lift into the air and rush off in the direction of the voice that had seemingly conjured them. It was after this that they found cover within the dilapidated remains of a nearby medical center. Fucking hell! Have you ever seen anything like this before? Vorn asked. Riva's eyes, like saucers, simply shook his head. Neither have I. I figure it's still making its way through the East Barracks, so, uh, we should keep moving west. Maybe we can get to the tree line and lose it there. Riva simply nodded again, his eyes vigilantly darting about, searching for any sign of the storytelling creature. The two suddenly burst from their place, speeding as fast as they could towards the trees in the west portion of camp. Despite its remoteness, however, the yarn-speaking devil's words seemed to find them, every syllable like a dagger trying to cut them apart. They couldn't help but hear the thing's words, as there was a certain melody to them, a symphonic rhythm that demanded their attention. And upon that mountain of bodies, all dead and riven, stood the massacring spirit to which vengeance was finally given. The stanza stabbed them, each line wriggling its way between their molecules, trying to pry them apart. They could feel the electrostatic forces keeping them coherent, solid, fatiguing, as if the physics of their body was suddenly quitting, throwing in the towel against more arcane powers. As they felt their cogency fade, flashes of imagery stole into their consciousness. They both peered up into a fragmented red sky, bodies laid atop them obscuring the rest of their view. Somewhere above, standing atop the pile of corpses to which they now belong, stood a vague, heaving figure. Its shape was inhuman, throngs of appendages bedecking its person, each one crafted, it seemed, to the lethal end of killing. There was a heat emanating from the thing, too, like it was a flame burning atop a great blood-slathered wick. They could feel its hate, an oppressive force that pressed down upon the pile of bodies, imprisoning them amidst the sea of dead. Vorin and Riva eventually came back to the world, the wetness of the rain and the scream of thunder reminding them where they were. But as they continued their escape, they continued to vacillate between both grim realities, all the while feeling the tug of unknown forces trying to pry them apart. Just as the two men could feel themselves surrendering to the wicked bard's influence, a slight beam of light shone from the far-off woodland. Despite its remoteness, the thing seemed to lay a thin and bright carpet of light out before them, providing them with some much-needed guidance. There was also an easing of sorts, as if the light had sanitized the darkness pulling at them, 
pushing it back into the murky depths from which it came. The visions relented as well, allowing Vorn and Riva reprieve from the bottomless mass of corpses they were buried beneath. As they continued to follow the path, they could see that it was emanating from deep within the woods. Vorin wondered how the light was able to bypass all the trees and foliage without casting nary a shadow. Then he remembered Moffat and his damnable lantern. It's Moffat! It's got to be! Vorin yelled. There was no reply from Riva, who simply continued to track towards the forest line. As Vorin and Riva closed in on their destination, the voice began to intensify, its story seeping deep into their bones again. This time, Vorn fell to the ground, screaming. The thing was closer now, and Riva knew Vorin wouldn't last much longer without some kind of help. He helped Vorn to his feet, and then, upon the man gaining back his wits, pointed him to the tree line. What do you mean? Of course I'm going there, we both are. Riva shook his head and frenetically signed to Vorin. Fuck no, Riva. We go together. We can both make it. Don't you dare. Go. Riva yelled. His words seemed to humble the air that carried them and the earth, for a brief moment, bowed to the commands of a new master. Riva's utterance caused reality to stutter, tremble, but within seconds, after the world regained its footing, everything calmed, and Vorn was running towards the entrance of the forest. Riva turned from his fleeing partner, pulled his mask from his face, and made his way towards the screams. Streams of glowing sigils littered the sky overhead, making the firmament look like a piece of gray parchment festooned with the characters of an ancient and dark language. Wesley watched as they flew by in arcs and streams, eventually running by the red husks from which they were birthed. The storyteller's words were getting closer, their small fingers inching even deeper into his psyche. He was now seeing things, images summoned by the thing's conjurings, Within a single moment, he would be transported between the stormy world of Gremlin and the viewpoint of a corpse staring out through a jigsaw of dead bodies. The transitions were happening more frequently now, reality becoming more and more schizophrenic. Keep running, you fool! We're almost there! He wasn't sure how to take the voice's assistance. On one hand, he seemed to be making progress, almost reaching a clearing of trees that would give him a chance to hide from the yarn-spinning horror. On the other hand, however, the implications of its assistance were harrowing, suggesting the voice's origins may be more than the consequence of a psychological break. Even in his current circumstances, he could feel his stomach churn at the idea that he was somehow host to a stowaway from that bygone year. He didn't have much time to dwell on it, however, as the dark minstrel's voice was gaining volume. And with his rage, he burnt the remains, leaving a pool of red. Beneath he went, and eternity he spent, in the bottomless lake of dread. The sing-song epilogue brought him to his knees, the weight of the words dragging him to the ground. He felt like a cadaver, birds picking at his remains as he slowly disintegrated beneath their still pecking beaks. He could sense himself breaking down, each part of him wanting to scurry like unearthed rats going in separate directions. The sound of feet hitting dirt replaced the rhyming verses, and Wesley could see a pair of feet standing directly in front of him. He looked up. In front of him was a man, or so he assumed it was a man, as the thing was completely shrouded in a long, tattered robe. 
Around its waist, secured by various buckles and chains, hung dozens of tomes, each one ancient and thick with pages. He could even see more books dragging behind the man, like the train of a bridal gown. What was more, however, was the content within the volumes, as he could see streams of those strange symbols, which had been yanked from the gory remains of his colleagues and friends, pouring onto the text's open pages. A hand suddenly gripped his neck and pulled him squirming into the air, bringing him face to face with the strange entity. While its face was darkened by the hood adorning its head, he recognized the two beaming eyes staring at him. The last time he saw them, they were tucked into the abyss of a certain tree hollow. He was brought closer to the abyss that was the thing's face, and then, after a brief moment, it spoke. Ah, here you are. My little rogue tale. The best stories are always getting themselves waylaid. They're often lured off the straight and narrow by promises of dandelion groves or sweet-smelling shacks built from candy canes and sugar. But there's not always a pot of gold at the end of every rainbow, is there? Sometimes it's a cauldron of stewing human meats waiting to be stocked with fresh ingredients. Tell me, are you happy with what you have found, little tale? The thing stopped for a moment, seemingly taking a second or two to study the rigor mask donned by Wesley's face. It continued, A parable loves to perch on the lip of its own noose. Not knowing its meaning is only gained when the chair is kicked out from beneath it. But that's just the way of the world isn't it? For some, it's hard to see shiny things for the shadows they really are. But not you. You see shadows for the unfurled, dirty red carpets they are, don't you? I know you do. It's written in your blood, in the cursive of your bones. The eyes of the hidden thing shifted, tilting its invisible head in curiosity. But that's all I can see, I'm afraid. The flesh is such messy scribble. It makes it hard to decipher the words beneath. That's what you all are, really. Words. Fascinating little tales bound in ugly skin covers. The thing disturbed Wesley. It was talking past him, beyond him. Something was working behind the words an uncapturable context flitting just past the seeable boundaries of the world. It also didn't help that the voice was trying to break through his subconscious again, bubbling up like the muffled screams of drowning sailors. With his attention torn, Wesley only managed to spit out the most basic of responses. I'm not, I'm not sure I understand what... A smoky giggle interrupted. <laughs> Tell me. Have you ever heard the tale of the Two-Faced Samaritan? It's a riveting yarn, and I think it would go far in... A hellish voice suddenly erupted from the ether, and the robed entity was heaved from its place and thrown through a nearby stack of munitions. The words that hung in the air were indiscernible, yet Wesley knew, intuitively, them to be terrible an infernal lexicon setting the world ablaze. The syllables were corrosive, acidic, as he could see the ground begin to boil, bubbling like an angry tar pit. The air was similarly tainted, 
carrying upon it the stench of seared flesh and brimstone, as if it carried the odor of hell itself upon its gales. There was also an awful sense of doom to the world now, tiny apocalypses seeping into the pores of his body, visions of holocausts harrowing his mind's eye, invoking despair like dandelions from the soil. Wesley, who was now laying upon the ground, dropped by his previous assailant, quickly got up to run. But as he began to sprint away, he ran into a barrier, a man standing in his path. He was gaunt, a stick of a person really, wearing a long leather gray coat. He was perfectly normal looking, except for his face. The top half of his countenance held two cobalt suns, their light almost enough to make Wesley wince. But it was the bottom half of his aspect that almost coaxed a scream from Wesley's throat. Below the man's nose was horribly disfigured, a road map of scars pointing this way and that around his mouth. There was an inky presence that seemed to animate about his lips and jawline, a semblance of shapes that moved like a nest of shadowy snakes, writhing. Perhaps strangest of all was the liquid spilling from the man's mouth, a kind of bile or venomy-looking substance that, when it struck the ground below, sizzled like a caustic agent. Hope careened into desperation, as Wesley was now surrounded by monsters, with no escape to speak of. To Wesley's surprise, however, the man grabbed him by the shoulders and spoke. Run! Towards the tree lines! There are friends waiting! Go now! The strange person's words almost caused him to scream, their utterance stinging as if a horde of irate bees had stabbed him all at once. But Wesley heeded his words, immediately running towards the woods looming to the west. And, as he went, he could see a glowing light in the distance, lantern-like, like the one he'd seen the last time he ran from the poem-spewing demon. He pushed himself as hard as he could, the screams of the voice in his head drowned by labored breathing, and a literal war of words being waged behind him. Thank you once again for listening to another episode of the Maltopia Podcast. To help us grow and spread the word, we'd love nothing more than for you to like, comment, rate, and review us on iTunes or your favorite podcast platform. You can also connect with us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, and tweet us on Twitter for the latest original artwork and important updates. And for even more about our ever-growing literary world, head to Maltopia.com to read our dark fiction and gain access to giveaways and discounts with our newsletter. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.